chapter 17, Luke in chapter number 17. <clears throat> this is always my favorite service of the year. Um, I don't know if it's because of the praise of the pie, but it's one of them. Um, but Luke chapter number 17, I, I've got a lot to be thankful for. Um, studying for what I was going to preach tonight, I, I tried to go through what am I thankful for, and I'll preach on that, and so many things I couldn't cover at all. If I tried to tell you everything I had to be thankful for, we'd be here all night and then some. But Luke chapter number 17, and we'll just look at a few things here in this passage. Luke 17, and verse number 12. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? They are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath, hath made thee whole. This is certainly a passage that's pretty common when dealing with the subject of thanks, and I want to try and maybe give a little bit more context than we're used to getting from this passage, and just a few notes, and the first one is that the timing of Jesus' public ministry at this time, it was coming to an end. In fact, it, it says in verse 12, that, uh, or verse 11, that he was in the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Um, he was actually on his way from Galilee to Jerusalem, where he would soon be crucified, only a couple months from the Passion Week. And all that's to say that he's not very popular at this time. <clears throat> Samaritans don't like him because he's a Jew. Jews mostly don't like him because he opposed their pharisaical, legalistic additions to Judaism. But amidst the, the narrative of the crucifixion, amidst a few parables in this passage, we're interrupted by this story of ten lepers that cried out to Jesus... For cleansing. In fact, I find a few other things interesting about this passage. In this area, it seems unique, but it's actually found one other time in the scriptures. In Luke chapter 9, turn there, if you will, just a few pages back to Luke chapter 9. We'll look at the other time that this place is believed to be found in the Gospels. It's in Luke 9 and verse 51. And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into the village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him, because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And from the Bible maps that I found and looked at, it's believed that this is the same village, or at least close to the same area. So it's not a place where Jesus is well received. They don't want him coming through because he is a Jew, and... I don't have to go into the conflict between the Jews and the Samaritans, but he's rejected in this area. <clears throat> but we're interrupted in all that to learn of these ten lepers. And while most miracles in the Gospels are there for us to learn about Christ, I believe this one is there for more of us to look at the lepers and learn from them. Particularly this one leper that turns around and says, thank you. And I found a few lessons in that. And the first one is, that this one leper that turned around, he was thankful despite his previous condition. He was thankful despite his previous condition. I've always thought that this seems to be a lot of lepers in one place. 
There's no mention of leper colonies in the Bible, although this seems to kind of be one. And, and the horrible thing about leprosy in the Bible is how widely it affected your life. There was the obvious physical way that it affected you. It would start with small boils or cysts on your skin, and it would keep eating and eating at your skin, and eventually fingers would fall off, ears would fall off, toes, and it would eat at your skin and eat at your voice and eat at your body until eventually it would kill you. There was really no cure for leprosy in the Bible, no course of treatment, and it was effectively a death sentence for these men. And ten men who were cast out from the camp, that's the other way it would affect you. It would affect you socially. Because there's laws in the, in the Pentateuch regarding lepers and, and leprosy. Because of the contagiousness of the disease, because of the lack of treatment for it, you couldn't stay in the camp, you couldn't keep a job, you couldn't stay with your family, but rather you had to be cast out. You had to live in solitary, live in poverty. And, and with that in mind, think of how these ten men have been living. Outcasts, no home, no no friends, no family, no jobs. They don't have good food. They're just begging. That's, that's all that they have in their life. There's no hope for a second chance. There's, there's really no, no, no glimmer of hope for them until Jesus one day comes by their way and they cry out, and Jesus, Master, can, can you be merciful on us? And, and as, they, as Jesus sends them back to, to the priests, as they're walking, they notice that the spots are gone that the cysts are gone, that, that the pain is gone, and this one man turns around and he goes and says, thank you. And I notice that he doesn't go back to Jesus and he doesn't say, thank you, do you know what I've been through? Thank you, let me tell you about how much pain this has caused. Let me tell you about how long I've been away from my family. Certainly there's some sympathy to be given to this man, but he's not asking for it. Because in his mind, this man has just done what no one else could do. What he's had no hope of being done for his entire life. And he doesn't care about the past. He cares about what Jesus has done for him. And all he's got to say is thank you. Not, have, you've been a little unfair to me. Not, my life's been a little bit too hard. Not, they deserve this, not, not me. Just thank you. And, and how many times in our life do we go to Jesus and say, hey, thank you for what you're doing in my life, but... There's some things that I don't think I deserve. Thank you for what you're doing, but this is just a little too hard for me. Thank you for, the, thank you for saving me, but, but my past, just I don't think I deserved all that. And if that's the heart of you and I, if it's, if it's thank you, but we're not truly grateful. Because true gratitude is unintruded praise to the one who's given us a new life. Who's restored the hope that we once never dreamed of having. And this man does not care about what he's been through. He cares what the Son of Almighty God has done in his life. And he says, thank you, despite his previous condition. But he says, thank you, despite the priest cleansing. He was thankful despite the priest cleansing. Usually when this passage is preached, something is said about how he goes to Jesus before he goes to the priest. And certainly there is something to be said about that. But really, what's to be made of that? We often gloat when the Pharisaical, when the Pharisees are opposed for their legalism and their additions to the law, but that's not what this is. This is an actual law given in Leviticus 14. For a leper to be reintroduced to society, he is to go to the priest. And when I was studying over this and thinking over it, I, I had a statement come to mind, and, and, and Joe and Jordan, we heard this in Systematic Theology not long ago, and it's that Christianity is a relationship and not a religion. Relationship and not a religion. And I don't think I would necessarily wholeheartedly agree with everyone that's ever said that, 
but there is definitely truth to it. Because I think it is, apl- it is applaudable that this man goes away from the norm of the religion. He, he knows what tradition is. He knows what he's supposed to do according to the book. But something wells up inside of him to where he cares more about saying thank you than being reintroduced into society. He, he cares more about going to Jesus than to the priest. And what he finds out is that he goes to a priest way better than the one in Jerusalem. In fact, in, in, in this passage, he's declared whole when he goes back and is thankful. And, and, and to be declared whole is not to just be clean, but it's to be, it's to be spotless. You can clean something that's dirty, but you and I cannot make it whole. And that priest could have made him clean, but Jesus, our great high priest, did so much more for him than the, than the priest in Jerusalem could have done. He was thankful despite his previous condition. He's thankful despite the priest cleansing. Thirdly, he was thankful despite the potential criticism. Thankful despite the potential criticism. Again, this is not an area in which Jesus is popular. In fact, in this part of Jesus' ministry, there's nowhere where he is popular. He's about to go into Jerusalem, and the welcome into Jerusalem will be as warm as you can get. It's Palm Sunday. The reeds are on the ground. They're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. But that warm embrace will soon turn very cold. Because only, in only a few months, he will be hanging on a tree on Golgotha. But despite the opinion of Jesus of the day, this man does not care what you or what the Pharisees or what the Sadducees think of Jesus. He cares about what Jesus thinks of him. You see, I find the, the phrase in verse 15 encouraging. Look, look at what it says in verse 15. And one of them, when he saw he was, that he was healed, turned back, and here it is, with a loud voice, glorified God. With a loud voice, he glorified God. He, he's not trying to hide his opinion on the matter. He's not trying to be an undercover Christian, if you would. But, and I, I kind of imagine this, that when, when he notices spots are gone, when the, he notices the pain is gone, when the stress is relieved in his body, he he ties his shoes a little bit tighter and starts heading back to Jesus, starts running back to Jesus. And as he's going, says, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you, Jesus. My spots are gone. And he's screaming it the whole way. And as I was imagining that, I imagined some Baptists in the area. And they get a little uncomfortable. Somebody's giving God just a bit too much glory for their liking. Why is he running? Why is he shouting? Why, why are his hands flailing about? But he doesn't care what the Pharisees, Sadducees, Baptists, or Presbyterians think. He's thankful for what God's done. And, and what I notice in this man is true, uninterrupted praise. Unintruded praise. Nobody is going to quiet what, the praise that he's given to God. And I think that there's a question to be asked of us. Is our praise unintruded? Or is our praise quieted sometimes by the narrative of the people around us? Whether it be Christians or whether it be the world... Is there a time when the spirits press your heart to raise a hand or to shout or to go to the altar and you just don't feel like it's going to be accepted? And, 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 and I think, it, and I know, I know everybody worships in their own way. I, I do know that. Not everybody is me, not everybody's Brother Jordan, not everybody's Brother Eric. Everybody has their different way of doing it. But I find it interesting in the Bible, we don't see a lot of times where it says to praise in silence. I don't see the Bible saying to lift a quiet heart of thanks up to the Lord. You know, in Psalms, it, in 150 chapters, it says shout, sing, rejoice. The most mentioned instrument in the book of Psalms is cymbals. I'll let you know on a secret. Cymbals are not discreet. 
If I got a pair of cymbals and started playing them during the congregation, everyone would know. I think the lesson to that is worship is not supposed to be secret. It's not supposed to be discreet. It's not supposed to be undercover. But if we are truly thankful, we should let everyone around us know. Whether it be a glow on your face of just outward gratitude to God, or whether it be shouting in church or raising your hand or going to the altar, our worship should be totally uninterrupted by outside circumstances. And I personally believe, and, and this is a lesson for me as much as anybody, but I personally believe that if we, if we truly had the heart of gratitude we ought, that we would be closer to swinging from the chandeliers than, the, than we would silence. But how far are we from that? Myself included. How far are we? How many times do we neglect the things that God has done in our lives? He was thankful despite the potential criticism. But notice he was thankful despite his personal cares. He was thankful despite his personal cares. You know, he wasn't the only leper who was cleansed. Nine other lepers kept walking. And they walked to that temple. And the priest declared them clean. And they went back and they hugged their kids. And they kissed their wives. And they took a hot shower. And they did all the things that they wanted to do for all these years. And can you blame them? I mean, years without seeing your family, years without seeing your friends, years without being around people in a crowd, it'd be lonely, it'd be, it'd be depressing, it would be hard. And you can't blame them for what they did. But you can applaud the man for noticing that there is something more important than going to see his family in this moment. Before, before he goes and does all those other things, he goes and says, thank you. And I can see as he turns back, those nine lepers say, hey, 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 where are you going? What, what are you doing? And he says, yeah, I want to see my kids, but I've got to say thank you. Yeah, I, I, I want to see my wife, but I've got to say thank you. Yeah, I want to do all these things, but I have to say thank you to Jesus. And, and you and I should not let our personal cares get in the way of paying on the debt of gratitude we owe. Because the debt of gratitude we owe is infinite. We, we don't have time on this earth to pay it. The nine other lepers asked why, and I can hear the one say, if not for this man, I'd never have seen my kids again. If not for this man, I'd never have kissed my wife again. If not for this man, I'd never have a life again. But he gave this all back to me, so I have to, with a loud voice, right now, say thank you. As I wrote this sermon, I didn't really feel the need to apply it to us. It seems too obvious. In America, we dedicate one day a year to Thanksgiving, one day. And I think that's a lot of our problem. Brother Kenny Baldwin says that gratitude is the greatest antidote for entitlement and how true that is and how much entitlement has taken over our country in this day. And as Christians, our theme every day of the year should be gratitude. Look at what God's done for you in your life. Look at how good he's been to you. Has he taken you from outcast to child? Has he has he taken you from dirty to clean, from broken to blessed, from sinner to saved, from hell-bound to heaven-bound? Because he has to me. And there's no amount of gratitude that I could give that could be considered enough. Maybe tonight you should either come or, or as we get te take testimonies, just say thank you for life. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you for comfort. Thank you for peace. Thank you for joy, grace, mercy. Thank you for love. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my church. Thank you for my pastor. Thank you for my home. Thank you for eyes to see, ears to hear. Thank you for feet to walk, for my country, for my job, for my friends, for a good car, for so many blessings that I don't have the breath nor the time
to name them all. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Good deal.